Welcome back. This is Rick Anderson, Managing Director at PTB Healthcare Capital. This is our Top Talks podcast series. We're here for our next iteration, and we're really happy today to have one of our senior advisors, Karen LaCistra, join us today. Karen's the senior advisor to our fund, but she's also been a long-term friend, colleague that I had the opportunity to work with at Johnson & Johnson, where she ran the largest um, med tech group as a worldwide chairman there at Ethicon Endo. Karen, we're really proud to have you in Austin today, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, Rick, for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here today. Well, Karen, today our topic we were going to sort of lean into a little bit is around the value of leadership, global leadership. And you've had a just an outstanding career of developing leaders across the board. And so I want to I want to really dive into that with you. But before we do that, just for our audience, would you mind just to give our listening audience uh, your background, introduce yourself a little bit, and then we'll we'll just jump right into it. Sure, I'd be happy to. So um, as Rick said, um, I was with Johnson and Johnson. In fact, uh, thirty one years at uh, Johnson and Johnson, and um, basically I really spent the majority of my time um, at both our Ethicon franchises. So um, medical device um, all through my thirty uh, year career, um, and I ran. Global Global businesses. So I had the opportunity to be part of the startup of Ethicon Endosurgery, which was the spin out of Ethicon. Um, and we grew that business from $2 billion to $5 billion over my tenure as worldwide chairman there. Um, and then I had an opportunity to go from there to um, uh, worldwide chairman of Global Medical Solutions, where I ran a portfolio of our businesses from vision care to diagnostics sterilization and uh, diabetes. And then I spent the last 18 months actually working very closely with our global government affairs organization and really trying to understand how global policy uh, plays a role in the future you know, regulatory path to get products to market. So um, it's been a, a great 31 years. You've really had a storybook career by anybody's measure. And I know you didn't do all that work yourself when I say the, all the success that you've, got, you've had in your career. And I, I know you personally, and I know your passion for leadership and what it means to develop young leaders. I want to spend a little bit of time talking today about what it takes you know, to develop leaders. And you're developing internally or recruiting them externally. You've done both. So it would be great to just get you to talk to our audience about your view on developing a talent and what does that mean in today's sort of med tech environment. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great topic area. And, you know, I would tell you that, you know, you go back and you learn, think about lessons learned in your career, and I think succession planning and talent development, Rick, is probably the most important role of the CEO of a company, president of a company, um, because it truly sets the path for, you know, the success of that company going into the future. We all play for the long term, and you've got to have talent for the long term. So I think talent development has to be a part of every single board meeting. That's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned over time. It can't be a once a year right. kind of, you know, you know. let's just talk about who our talent is. It has to be an ongoing conversation. Um, and it takes, it takes engagement from the leadership team. I mean, I think the CEO and, their, and that leadership team, the original leadership team, have to own the talent development in an organization. And that means knowing people three and four levels down. It means, first and foremost, it means knowing what skills and capabilities you need to drive the growth of your business for the future. Because, you know, as many of your audience knows, you know, going from the first, you know, getting to the first 50 million in sales takes a lot of different, you know, characteristics and qualities right. than going from 50 million to 200 million and then to a billion dollars. Um, and so you have to always know what is it that you're looking 
looking for? What are the right skills and capabilities that we need for the organization? How's, who are the stakeholders that we're calling on and what are they going to require? Consumerism of healthcare requires capabilities that many people yeah. in medtech don't have today. Right. So you have to acquire those things as you go forward. So it's a, it's a strategy. Talent development starts with a strategy for what you need. Um, and then, you know, I'm pretty simple. I think it really comes down to kind of hands-on, get to know your people, go down three or four levels, give people the opportunity. I mean, I, I think the, one of the biggest things that we could do for people in MedTech today, because there are so many stakeholders, is make sure you're giving people the opportunity to work on projects that take them out of their comfort zone. Rotate your people. If you have the flexibility to do that um, amongst your leadership teams, test them. Right? And give, let's see who can, you know, you know, can your marketing person really manage a product development project? Can they inspire and lead an R&D organization? Um, can your R&D person sell anything, right? <laughs> I, mean, I think you, you've got to be able to test people and really develop, um, help them develop the skills and capabilities that they'll need to be better general managers. Karen, you, I mean, you're talking about setting a certain tone from the top, right, by talking about you know, giving people those sort of risk-based assignments, that kind of stuff. Can you give our, especially, talk directly to our CEOs you know, and our portfolios, how do you do that? How do you, how do you, what was your method of setting the tone from the top that talent development matters? How did, how did you do that? Well, you, you know, for, for me it was all about the one-on-one -on -one conversations I had with the leadership team as well as the board conversations that we had. So it's about walking the talk on talent development. You can't say it's important and then not follow through on the actions there. So, you know, we would have conversations about our high potential talent at every single meeting that we had. I mean, maybe not monthly, but certainly quarterly um, with the leadership teams. And it was, what are their development plans? What is it we're trying to develop in them? How are we going about doing that? What are those projects that we're giving them? And then how are they doing against it? Bring those people into the board meetings. Get, get them exposure and visibility. Um, let them feel a part of the company. Um, it, let them feel that the leadership team is vested in their development. And, and that's how we did it. And, you know, it, it, it worked. Yeah, Karen, I mean, that sort of hands-on approach, at least our experience within our portfolio, you know, it's a gift when the leader sort of sets that sort of tone at the top and their people believe that and they see that. I do want to ask you a question about success, though. So young, up-and-coming leaders who are the next generation of leaders, you know, some, they have high fear of failure to some degree as well. What are, the, what are the things that you've seen specifically in the MedTech marketplace that make a successful MedTech leader? What are the characteristics, the things that you looked for, you know, as part of your, as you were developing talent? What, were, what was that sort of short list of stuff? Yeah, there were probably, you know, and you know this, right, leadership comes in many different forms, right? But I, I do think that there are certain qualities that, that uh, for me are the constants, right? And I would say one is courage. Um, and, you know, you talked about fear of failure. I mean, sure, it's there, but you have to have the courage to take the risks. Right. And for the people who are willing to stand up and take a stand on an issue or a project that they really believed in, um, or willing to say, no, Karen, you're wrong, or, you know, that's not the way to look at this anymore, right, because we all have our own biases. Um, I had a lot of respect for people who had the courage to stand up and, you know, take a stand for what they believe in. Um, the other was trustworthiness. Um, for me, that's really important, and I think it's important for an organization. You talk about setting the tone in an organization. I think when you know you're 
let's face it, you know, it's tough in today's marketplace and you're going to hit roadblocks and not everything's going to go the way you expect it to go. Um, but people, leaders who can stand up and inspire an organization and get them to believe that one, you have their back, that you'll stand for them no matter what happens in the business, that you're in it for the long term, that, you're, that you'll do what you say you're going to do. Um, I think in today's environment, that to me is really, really important. It's important not just for employees, but it's important to customers and investors as well. That makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. And you know, finally, the last one, and I think we underestimate this one quite honestly, Rick, is vulnerability. You know, no one's perfect. You can't know everything. Um, you've got to learn to um, know what you don't know and be willing to say you don't know or say, you know what, I need help. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't see a lot of that um, in the med tech world, I think, that much. But I think it's a really important quality, and I think it's those people who are willing to do that that um, end up doing really, really well because they're willing to go out and listen. Right. And Karen, how much of that do you think is um, we're such a male-dominated sort of, you know, sector, right, med tech, and, you know, you, you, you've had a storybook career as a, a strong woman leader, leader has developed a lot of strong women that work for you. Mm -hmm. And we're passionate PTV about diversity as a strategy, diversity as a strength uh, for winning in the, in the med tech marketplace. How do we get, do you have a view on in this vulnerability thing that you just talked about, that, that's a high self-awareness characteristic. And I, it'd be great to get you to talk about that a little bit more about and put it in the context of developing diverse leaders as well. Yeah, it's. Well, but I don't know if we have enough time for all. Of that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's a pretty intense subject. And let me say this: I think first of all, you know, self-awareness is another great quality, and I think probably you know equally important to the other ones I just mentioned. Um, but I think first and foremost, if you want to build a diverse team and diversity, and there is no doubt in my mind that having a diverse team makes a stronger company. Um, you got to take a stand for people, and you got to give them a, a shot and a chance, and recognize that they are going to be different. They're going to lead differently. They're going to work differently. But if you take the time to understand how they work, then they can be incredibly successful. But I think it's it's really important, and you've you've got to sponsor people, right? I mean, it's the it's the basics, right? So people need sponsors. People need champions. And if um, leaders today take the time to sponsor people and mentor them and um, champion them, then they they can be just as successful. And I, I think we're starting to see that a little bit more in med tech, but we have a long way to go. Well, Karen, I mean, the first of all, I agree with you completely in, that it takes commitment. Um, how do you, and again, this is back directed directly to portfolio company CEOs and, and small company leaders. What's the role of how culture and your leadership strategy, how are those two intertwined mm. in, in your view on the role of culture and sort of yeah. creating an extraordinary organization? Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, more. I think they're, they go hand in hand, right? So I, I, I think everything starts with a strategy, whether it's your business strategy or leadership talent development strategy, you've got to have a strategy. And I think culture is all about, you know, for me, the CEO of a company, the head of the company is they define the culture of the company. And you know, I think some of the greatest conversations I've ever had with leadership teams are the ones where you sit around the table and you say, what are we gonna be known for? How do we want our employees 
to, what are, what are they going to say about us, right? What are our customers going to say about us? And, and that's not a half-hour conversation. That's right. a full-day, you know, pizza-beer conversation where you're really, you know, getting into the nitty-gritty yeah. of how you're going to how you are going to be known and then you got to get you know where really where the rubber hits the road is when it comes down to accountability right you ask me how well the ceo has to hold their team him him or herself and the team accountable for walking the talk about what those norms and values are um, and so if you're going to be known as an organization that builds an internal development then are you holding your team accountable for that in their performance reviews do you have talent as one of the metrics that you're measuring your, you know, their performance on. Sure. Um, a lot of times, it's it looks nice on a piece of paper and it hangs on the wall, but if you ask the employees, nobody's really walking the talk from that perspective. Carol, you, you, I'll shift gears on you just a little bit. The when you're during your time at Johnson Johnson, you saw a lot of small companies, per M and A activity, acquire Big Co, integrated into Big Co. Uh, some talent stayed, some talent went. Um, as part of that, Karen, can you give our so look at it through the other lens of the small company CEO who's leading a talented group of people that are hungry, that are it's fight or flight every day, you know, whether they're going to survive or not. You know, what advice would you give to the acquired company CEO about work being about, about that sort of awkward phase of being integrated into the big co of their role, their the CEO's role? of making that as smooth and as successful as possible when those kind of events are unfolding. Yeah. For his or her management team, for himself personally, it'd be great to just get your advice and guidance on that. Yeah. Um, you know, those are those are tough. There isn't an integration out there that I think is goes as smooth as you want it to be. Because from a from the strategics perspective, right, they clearly want to keep as much of the talent as they possibly can, right? right. Because they built that company, they and that's why they bought it. They were the critical asset. Um, and you know, the CEOs of the acquired companies certainly want to do the best thing for their people. But you know, look, I think the the most important thing is transparency. And I, that goes on both sides. I think the 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 CEO of the or the acquiring company has to be really transparent about you know what that integration is going to look like and what to expect. And I think the CEO of the um, acquired company has to be you know transparent with their own team about look here's really what happens and help them see through. There's I think communication you can't communicate enough during an acquisition or an integration about what's happening, what's working, where there might be roadblocks, whatever it might be. Um, you've got to keep them focused on driving the business, and but also, you know, what's going to happen. But I think as a CEO, you also have to know your people, and you have to know who's going to make it in a big company and who isn't. Yeah, um, that's a terrific it, point. It really is, because... You know, there are people who are great at startup world, and there are people who, you know, and some of those just aren't going to make it in the big company where there's a lot more roles and a lot more bureaucracy, but that is a fact of a large company. Right. There are those things. Right. Um, and I think it's the CEO's responsibility to really know who those people are because I think if you know that up front and you share that with the acquirer, then there could be plans in place to help that transition. That's a win-win situation for both the employee right. and the acquiring company. But it takes transparency and it takes you know having honest conversations with your people. Right. Karen, thank you very much. And I, I would just say that, Karen, knowing you and your leadership style, 
which would apply both to small company and large company, sort of your authentic style is important, your transparent style, and the fact that you legitimately care about people and their development. That's Those common characteristics across big co, small co are the same. Wouldn't you agree with that? I totally agree. So and we really appreciate you joining us today. It's been a, this is a terrific example of sort of the value that, that you can sort of help us think through with our CEOs and portfolio companies. And leadership, we, what we believe is passionately that leaders are the difference. Absolutely. The leaders make the difference in, our, in, in our, the value of our returns and how well companies do. And it never ceases to surprise me that you know, the right leader at the right time is a force multiplier. Uh, and what they could sort of do. So thank you very much for the guidance, and, uh, and thanks again for joining us. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it.